All right. Philippians chapter 4 is where our devotion is going to take place. Just to catch you up to speed just a little bit, maybe you are on break from college. Let me see the hands that are here on break from college. Welcome, welcome. Glad to have you here. To catch you up to speed a little bit of where we are in our study here at Young Adults on Monday nights, we're going through a series called Be Wise, and we're studying the book of 1 Corinthians together. I love what Paul has to say on the topic of wisdom. The word wisdom is mentioned 30 times in the book, and we are a generation who needs wisdom. Wisdom to make daily decisions and daily choices. We need wisdom, but not the wisdom that this world offers, but wisdom from above. And so we've been going through a series called Be Wise, learning what Paul tells the Corinthian church. Um, Different areas of their lives need wisdom. How to deal with money, how to deal with relationships, how to deal with just being a Christian in everyday life. And so Paul addresses uh, wisdom throughout his book. And so If you have missed any of our teachings, then you can actually go to our Young Adults Facebook page, catch up on past messages in our BY series. And if you'd like to just stay tuned in to what we're doing Monday nights, we actually stream live on our Facebook page every Monday night at 7.30. And so tune in if you're away from school at school or you're just at home and you can't make it out. So um, just to keep in touch with with what we're doing and, and the Bible study that we're going through. So Um, That's our BY series in the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to be taking a brief break from 1 Corinthians, and we're going to have our Bible study tonight in Philippians chapter 4. So I hope you are all there now, Philippians chapter 4. We are going to read, uh, starting at verse 4 through verse 13. And then we'll pray, and then we'll dive into our Bible study tonight. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful to gather together, Lord, for our Friendsgiving event. Thank you so much for the opportunity that we have um, as a local body, as a local church, as friends, to get together tonight to worship you, Lord, to ascribe worth to you, to thank you for all that you've done for us, to thank you for your many blessings. And so now we dive into your word, Lord, and we commit our Bible study to you. And I ask that uh, the, the dinner time, Lord, would just be pleasing to you, that we would just get to know one another, that we would uh, build friendships, and that this night would just be glorifying to you, Lord, as we attempt just to honor you and give you thanks, Lord, for your many blessings. We don't take anything for granted. And so we dedicate this night 
And not just this night, but every day, Lord, we want to give it back to you in honor and in thanks for all that you have done in and through our lives, Lord. So we praise you tonight and we commit our Bible study to you now. We pray that you would teach us, Lord, that you would show us uh, what you would have for us, Lord, that you would convict us where there needs to be conviction, that you would encourage us and comfort us where there needs to be encouragement. And uh, we love you, Lord. And so we look forward to learning more about your son, Jesus, tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So it being Thanksgiving weekend, we've come to Philippians chapter 4. And the title of tonight's message is The Key to Contentment. The Key to Contentment. I want you guys to circle in your Bible with me if you have a pen or a pencil handy. Um, or if you don't, then just take note with me. A couple of words Paul uses throughout this passage. The first is in verse 4. He uses the word rejoice two times. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. He also uses the word thanksgiving in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. He also uses the word peace two times in verses 7 and verse 9. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends or surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He also uses the word peace in verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And then finally, he uses the word content two times in verses 11 and verse 12. Make note of that with me. In verse 11, I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content, circle that word, Content, whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. So Paul mentions all of these words, rejoice, peace, thanksgiving, and content. He mentions all of these words while chained to a Roman soldier. Paul, at this time, is imprisoned because he's being persecuted for his faith, and he is literally, physically chained to a Roman soldier. So how is Paul able to use those terms and those words like rejoice, to pray with thanksgiving, to attain peace while he is chained to a Roman soldier? Well, it's because he understands contentment. It is all because of contentment. The definition of contentment for us, just so we can have our bearings straight, the definition of contentment is the state uh, the state of being satisfied or sufficient, dependent of, independent of your circumstances. Being satisfied or sufficient, independent of your circumstances. So what is the source of Paul's contentment? It is a life found in Jesus Christ. Certainly, it is not his stuff. Certainly, it is not a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Certainly, it is not a job. He has found the source of his contentment, the source of his joy, the source of his peace, the source of his thanksgiving, because he is content in his relationship with the Lord. And there's two things that I find very interesting about the way Paul uses the word content. In verse 11, he says, it's something I had to learn. It's something I had to learn. And the second thing he says in verse 12 is that it's a secret. It's a secret. So contentment was something that Paul had to learn. It didn't come naturally to him. He had to learn it. It was a process for him. And he also says that it was a secret, that it's not obvious that that the source of contentment, finding contentment in life, is not actually obvious to our natural understanding. Because here's what our natural inclination, 
um, when we think of tendency, when we think of uh, contentment, our natural inclination and tendency is to say, well, if I'm not content, then I will search and seek that which I need to fulfill the void in my life. Or I'm just going to change my circumstances or I'm going to change uh, my situation. But Paul says, no, the secret to our contentment and being complete as a person has, not to do, has nothing to do with whether we have more or whether we have less, whether our circumstance is good or whether our circumstance is bad. Look at verse 11. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through, through Him, through Christ, who gives me strength. So what Paul is saying essentially is, listen, no matter what circumstance I'm in, no matter what problem comes my way, no matter what uh, season of life I'm in, I can find joy and rest and contentment because of Jesus Christ, not because of my circumstances. So this is what Paul says, and he says that the key to contentment is essentially finding myself completely satisfied in Jesus Christ. Are you tonight completely satisfied in Jesus Christ? And it might be something that you conceptually think like, yes, I I believe I'm satisfied in Jesus Christ, but are you truly? Is your heart pursuing and seeking after things to fill some kind of a void? Because I'm telling you tonight that you might attempt to chase after something relentlessly to fill a certain void in your heart it will never completely fill you. You will always be empty and feel dry at the end of that searching. It's like a chasing after the wind. Until you realize that Jesus Christ is the only remedy to fulfill any desire or satisfaction within your life, you will always feel empty. And this is what Paul is saying. He says, listen, I need you to understand that you can find joy, that you can find peace in your anxiety, that you can find Uh, You can find comfort through your worry, not because of your circumstances or your possessions, but because you are fully satisfied and resting in Jesus Christ. And that's something that Jesus still offers us today. And he says in verse 13, famous, very familiar verse, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I love and hate this Bible verse. I love the Bible verse for what its original intent uh, was for, and I also hate it for what we've made it out to be, because as you know, people misuse this verse so many times. I mean, I can remember um, playing sports, people, uh, my teammates would use this verse, and they could be believers or they could not be, it didn't really matter, but everyone knows Philippians 4.13, and so it was before a big game, you were getting ready to go to a big football game and saying... I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Lord, help me to make these tackles. Lord, slam dunk basketball, hashtag Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, of course. I mean, this is what we say to ourselves when we're going in through maybe trying to pass a big exam, going into the football field, or whatever we set our minds out to do that we're nervous for. We always love to quote Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can overcome a football game. I can do this. I can do that. That's not what Paul is talking about here. What Paul essentially is saying is that I can handle anything because of who I am in Christ. I can handle all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Paul is In prison, he is chained to a Roman soldier. He's not talking about what he can do on the football field. He is in chains 
in prison for his faith, and he says, listen, no matter my circumstances, I can handle anything because of who I am in Jesus Christ. And until you realize that Jesus Christ is, your, is the only remedy to that, to that void in your life, you will always feel empty and dry. Because the myth is, well, if I just had more, if I just had a little bit more, not a lot more, just a little bit more, if I had a little bit more, if my circumstance was different, if my season of life was different, then I would be content. Then I would be satisfied. That's, that's really just a lie. Research tells us that we think if I only had 20% more, I would be content. Just 20%. That's what research tells us uh, nationwide, that if we, our mentality is, if we just had 20% more of something, we would then be content. But that's not true. That's just a lie. And some people think if I just had 20% of a bigger paycheck, if I just had 20% of nicer things, then I will be content. But listen, whether you had more money or more stuff, money can buy you a bed, but it can't buy you sleep. Money can buy you uh, books, but it can't buy you brains. Money can buy you a house, but it can't buy you a home. There are certain things that we seek for and we search for, and we, if we think, if I just had a little bit more of this thing, I would then be content, I would then be satisfied. Someone once said, the good life exists only when we stop wanting a better one. The good life exists only when we stop wanting a better one. The itch for things is a virus draining the soul of contentment. The itch for things is a virus draining the soul of contentment. We need to be constantly finding ways to fight this spreading disease of discontentment in our hearts because it's really an attitude of the heart. And a one, one major powerful tool to fight discontentment in our hearts is to be thankful for what God has given you. Look at verse 6. I love this verse. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Be anxious about nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. While you're in your prayer life, maybe seeking something, Maybe you are in a situation that you'd like to get out of. That's okay. Maybe you are in a season of life that's been troublesome. That's okay. It's okay to be discouraged. Just because you're discouraged, it doesn't mean that it's a sin. It just means that you're human. But the question is, what am I going to do with that discouragement? When I'm in a season of life that I'm not comfortable in, when I want something, when I'm ambitious to pursue something, is it okay to be discouraged? Listen, it's normal to be discouraged, but it's the question of what will you do with that discouragement? Will you allow your discouragement to drive you to find something in this life to ultimately satisfy you on your own? Or will you allow your discouragement to drive you to your knees to find full satisfaction in Jesus? The question is not, is it okay to be discouraged? It is, what will I do with my discouragement? Will I allow it to take me out into the world to try to be satisfied by a thousand other things? Or will, it, will I allow my discouragement to drive me to my knees to be fully satisfied in the Lord, no matter what my circumstances are, no matter what phase of life I'm in? And the key to this, a powerful tool in combating this disease of discontentment is to be thankful, to be thankful. So here are some practical things we can do to be thankful. And we just have to constantly be reminding ourselves of thankfulness throughout our life. 
And something that we can do is just physical cues. Physical cues to help us, to remind us that of all that the Lord has blessed us with, of all that the Lord has given us, just even putting your car key into your car and, and turning your car key, use that as a physical cue to thank the Lord, thank you, Lord, for my car. When you put your key through your front door of your house, of your condo, of your apartment, wherever, use that as a physical cue, as a physical reminder, thank you, Lord, for my home. When you go to turn the heat on when it's cold in the winter and you go to the thermostat, use that thermostat as a physical cue to remind you, thank you, Lord, for my heat in the winter and my air conditioning and the coolness in the summer. Use those physical cues. Something I'm trying to learn right now is um, my baby, Ava. She's 11 months old and she cries uh, throughout the night. Not necessarily throughout the night, but just It'll be 2, 3, 4 a.m. And she'll just decide to wake up and let us know that she's up. And something that I'm trying to guard my heart against is complaining and actually thanking the Lord every time I hear that baby cry. Because there are thousands of parents throughout the world who would love to hear the cry of a baby because they can't have kids. So use those opportunities in your life, those small cues, those small physical cues to constantly remind yourself of God's goodness in your life. Because look around. God is good to us. God is so, so good to us. And the moment I feel the inclination to complain about anything, about any season of life I'm in, about any circumstance I'm in, I can't help but just to be reminded What do I have to complain about? Thank you, Lord, for everything that you've blessed me with. And this is what Paul's message is. No matter my circumstance, independent of my circumstance, I can still rejoice in the Lord. I can still find peace. I can still be joyful in the Lord. I can still find rest, not because of the circumstance I'm in, but because God is faithful and good through every season of life. And this is what Paul says. Is, is harping on here. Thankfulness is a very powerful tool to fight the disease of contentment. And it's easy to compare our lives to people who seem to have it better. And social media really doesn't help with this. It's really easy to compare our lives with other people and say they have it so much better. But really, season of life is just such a, you know, it's, it's very subjective. Um, it's very relative, you know, your, your, your feelings within your season of life. Because throughout the years, I know, and uh, I haven't really been involved in in many of those counseling appointments, but I've talked to many of the pastors who have been, and they've talked to, and I've, you know, I've had my own fair share of conversations, um, and when people are, are coming to me with, with uh, prayer requests or whatever, but uh, for example, someone will come in and say, I would love to be, I would love to be married. I'm single, and I would just love to be married. I can't wait to find that person, and that person just seems to keep eluding me. I don't know where this person is, where this person is that God is, has for me, but I would love just to be married. And then on the, on the opposite end of, that, end of that, we've had married people come in and say, I would love to be single. We would love to be single. You know, the, there's a lot of just uh, different opposing uh, points of view depending on what season of life you're in. We have people who have kids come into a, the church and say, listen, I, I, would, I would love to get the kids out of my house. It is not quiet. It is always loud. I can't get anything done. And then we have grown parents who come in whose kids have gone off to college and say, my house is so, so quiet. I, I'm so alone. I would love my kids to come back and spend some time with me. I don't know if that's your parents, but uh, maybe your parents don't like me as much as mine did me. <laughs> but that's what my dad would say. When, when is Austin coming home from school? 
But, you know, we, this, this happens depending on their season of life. And so whatever season of life you're in, take it, enjoy it, and thank the Lord for it. And don't always compare yourselves to other people. Well, this person is in this season of life. I would love to be in that season of life. This person has this. I don't have that. When all the while, the person in that season of life that you've been coveting wants to be in your season of life. So be content in your season of life. And the question is, as I mentioned, if you are discouraged because you're in a season of life that that you're not really happy with, the question is, what are you going to do with that discouragement? Are you going to take it to the Lord? Are you going to confide in the Lord? Are you going to find your satisfaction in the Lord? Or are you going to try for years to fill that void through other means that will never fully satisfy you? And this is what Paul says at the end of chapter 4 in verse 19. He says, My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all of your needs, not all of your greeds, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I'm going to end with the very first verse of chapter 4. Which is, Therefore, my brothers, you, who, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord. Dear friends, that is how you should stand firm. It's the Greek word stako, and it means to persevere and to persist. To persevere and to persist. So how do we combat this disease of discontentment, the key to contentment is finding myself fully satisfied in Jesus Christ, standing firm in the Lord, no matter your circumstances, no matter your season of life. Find your contentment in the Lord. Find your satisfaction in Him. And I promise you, I guarantee you, that that is the only thing, the person of Jesus Christ, that will ever satisfy the fullness of your heart. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for everything that you've given us. We don't want to be a people who are discontent. We want to be a people who find our contentment, our satisfaction, our joy, our devotion, our peace in you. Lord, thank you so much. We just want to take this time to thank you for everything that you've given us. Thank you for our homes. Thank you for our family. Thank you for our school or our work. Lord, thank you for everything that you've blessed us with, Lord. Food on the table. We don't want to take anything for granted, Lord. We know that there are so many people in this world who don't have it nearly as good as we, are, as we have it, Lord. So we thank you, Lord, for blessing us. And we find our contentment. We find our peace. We find our joy. We find our rest only in your Son, Jesus Christ. And whenever we look outside of your Son to fill some kind of a void or a hole in our heart, Lord, may you remind us of who we are in you, that we are saved, that we are righteous before you. So Lord, I pray that just throughout this week as we just remember Thanksgiving, as we remember this holiday, Lord, And beyond this holiday, Lord, as we get into the Christmas season, as we go back to school, as we go back to work, may your praise forever be on our lips. May your praise of thanksgiving forever be on our hearts, forever be on our minds, Lord. We are so thankful for everything that you've done for us, Lord. And when our circumstances aren't good, Lord, 
Help us to understand and to remember that our circumstances don't dictate our contentment. That our circumstances won't dictate where we find our peace, where we find our joy, where we find our satisfaction. Because no matter the circumstance, whether well-fed, whether hungry, whether in poverty, whether in wealth, we find our contentment in you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you for satisfying the deepest longings of our heart. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, by whom we can have atonement and redemption and eternal life, Lord. That is the greatest gift of all. So we love you, God. We pray that you would go before us now as we enjoy this good feast and we just pray that it would be honoring and glorifying to you, God. We love you and we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.